Hello, and welcome to CineDrunk, the podcast where we're drunk on cinema. And alcohol, of course, brought to you by Cinemunch.com. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, joined by Nathan. Hey, hey. And Elizabeth. Hello. Let's do it. Let's do it. We are here to give our top ten. Um, a while ago we did, or recently... <laughs> Depends on when you're listening to it. We did a 2005 Oscar debate, and we were going to follow it up with a best of 2005 until we realized that that year was kind of shit for movies. Yeah, we didn't like it. So we decided instead to do a 15-year anniversary, and we have our top 10 lists of movies from the year 2000. In the year 2000. Uh. <laughs> on Conan. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so what, what did we have to celebrate... Well, of course, the year 2000, as we know, we're lucky to have survived. Very much so. For sure. Entering into it. So we have a Y2K cocktail. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's what we had earlier. We're now just drinking gin and tonics, like usual. Um, like water. With a little splash of Unicum Hungarian liqueur, which mm-hmm. is still left over from our... Um, Grand Budapest, Grand Hotel, Budapest Podcast. Hotel Podcast. So there's a little plug for an oldie but a goodie. Our first. Our first published. Our first Well, yes. yes. There is an unpublished. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> what's what's in it? The Y2K <laughs> cocktail. Um, it's espresso, cognac, Grand Marnier, and simple syrup, and that's all stirred in a cocktail glass or stirred in whatever you want with. <laughs> with ice, and then strained into a cocktail glass. And then garnished with a nice little orange peel twist. Mm. Um, and it was it was peppy. It was had twisty. that espresso. It certainly was. I was it was that. syrupy with that Grand Marnier and simple syrup. Yeah, it was a little too sweet for me yeah. taste. But, you know, we're glad we survived the drink <laughs> and the year. And, and the year did did take place, and there were some great movies. Speaking of things we may or may not survive, Uh, we have tasked Nathan with the trivia for this podcast. Get us in the mood. Take us back 15 years. Trivia master. (laughs) What do we got? Half half of my lifetime ago. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gross. (laughs) When the trees were greener and every Christmas was a white Christmas. True enough. (laughs) Okay, we're going to play this slap-happy, slap-jack, slap-a-doodle style, (laughs) which means... Have you trademarked that term? Yes, which means you slap something, each other, the table... (laughs) Just whenever we want, or... No, when you're ready to answer the question. It's like a buzzer, we need a buzzer. If you slap and you can't answer the question... You die. I mean... There, there's hell to pay. Okay. So, question number one, and this is a contest, obviously. Which star of the 2000 screen got her start on the TV series Dangerous Minds and won a 2013 SAG award? You're gonna need to repeat that. What? Wait, 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 wait. Which star of the 2000 screen? So that means she was a, she starred in a movie in 2000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, the two that screen. Screen. Okay, mm-hmm. I was like, screen the movie that came out in '96. Okay, sorry. Ear Just... check. Which star yeah. of the 2000 the screen got her start on the TV series Dangerous Minds 
and won a 2013 SAG award. She won the SAG in 2013. Yep. So it would have been for 2012. And Can I have you... plentiful hints. Okay. If you Was her it. SAG win for film? Yes. Uh, Elizabeth and I are just holding hands right in, or holding the SAG right award was for a little film called Argo. Oh, so she's part of the ensemble. Ah! <laughs> Clea Duvall. Correct. Yes. You jerk. Remember who's uh, writing these? Yes, yeah. Nathan's favorite. Also, for the Clea listener, Duvall. Matt did just smack me in the face a little. Sure bit. did. At that point. <laughs> You're a little red. A little it. rosy. And really, when I think of 2000, there's no bigger star than, than Clea, Clea Duvall. Duvall. It's true. Off to a good start. What's... Okay, number two. Name the TV series, in series plural, mm. in which Clea Duvall starred <laughs> between 2013... Sorry. <laughs> between 2003 and 2013. Okay, so... So I didn't say this before, but you slapped, so you get a point for each one you can name. Okay. So one is Carnival. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't I didn't even know what that was. Um Can I slap it at any point or she gets to say how many she can? She says how many she can, but as soon as she gets one wrong. Or you know, within let's say, reason. Let's say Hannibal. Yeah, no. Okay. Well um, heroes. Yep. Oh, I forgot she was in there. That's like the only thing I've seen her do. Or Darling. Is, are there more? Well, I know she's on Buffy, yeah, but that would have been before that. So his, his floor. Oh, I see. I, what has Clea all been up to? I don't know. I'm going to say like, is she on Deadwood? Eh. Okay, I don't know. Mm, I feel like it's going to be like NCIS. Right, mm. something like that. Or this could just Oklahoma. be a case of the internet lying to me. Um, so the third one is American Horror Story. Oh, she was, she was in the second was season, it, Asylum. I mean, I forgot to say, Star is used loosely, loosely for the right. third one. Yeah, she died in like the second episode, but she was... Oh, spoiler. Whatever, it came out <laughs> five years ago. Okay, so we're, <laughs> Old Brisbane. wait, no, Old Brisbane is behind. Yeah, Matt has One been. to two. Man, I hope this whole thing is just clean of all. Okay, questions. number three. This is the clean of all edition. Who topped People with Money's 2015 list of highest paid actresses with an estimated 96 million in combined earnings? Uh, wait. 2015? Yep. What does this have to do with the year 2000? You'll find out. Yes. Jennifer Lawrence. No. Can you repeat the question? Who... T- <laughs> who topped who topped people with money's 20 people with money yeah, that respected organization organization or site or 2015 list of highest paid actresses with an estimated 96 million in combined earnings Julia Roberts no Sandra Bullock no that was the next guess um your now your knowledge is your downfall on this one. Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> yeah, that would have been my next guess. Um, I'm trying to think of how it would relate to the year 2000. I hope it's Clea Duvall, really. <laughs> um, 
I I don't know. I don't know. Clea Duval. But we should know, I guess. Um, I need a uh, slap. Meryl Streep. I need a slap. No, I don't. No. They would have lots of I endorsements don't know. and stuff. Okay, her name has been said twice, but not after a slap. Who is the other name have we said? You've said it twice in the Clea Duvall? Yes. It's Clea Duvall. And right underneath What? Right underneath on this website it says, warning, this um this <laughs> magazine may be false, falsifying information. So you just gave us a bullshit. I, will sh- <laughs> I, t- I hinted, I said you can't believe everything you read. Or maybe I meant to say oh, that. No. <laughs> And people with money is nothing. Have you learned nothing from questions one and two? <laughs> oh my goodness. This is just bullshit. Okay, she did not. I I, I'm pretty sure her net worth is 1.5 million. So she, I don't think she earned that, million. Um. Anyway, okay. Number How four. How many more we got? Two more. Okay. <laughs> which... <laughs> Okay, which TV series of the following did not make the top five average rated TV programs during the 2000-2001 season? So we're just pivoting a little bit to TV. Pivot! Because I wanted to. Okay, so which one of these did not not make the top five average? ER, Everybody Loves Raymond, Friends, Survivor, and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Wednesday? (laughs) <laughs> I deserved that slap. I'm going to say ER. Nope. Shoot. Then I'm going to say Everybody Loves Raymond. You're correct. Right. You dickhead. Ba-boom. Okay. And final question. <laughs> well, I don't even know the, I don't even know the score, except I think Matt's. Matt is winning. So I've only got my card. This is just for, for pride. Our national treasure and Dowd currently starring in Night is a Room on the New York stage, appeared in how many theatrically released films in 2000? (laughs) Now, no more slap happy. You each get a... uh, Well, whoever slaps first can guess first. Whoever's closest. Whoever's closest wins, yeah. Yes. Matthew. Uh, Two. Okay. Five. Zero. Ooh, I was gonna guess that. She was in, I think, three TV shows, one video game. That a girl. She didn't about. appear. It was her voice, but um. <laughs> I assumed it was just the and uh, video yeah, game. Yeah, but was almost really every. But <laughs> yeah, almost, for Sega Genesis. Almost okay. every other year, she's had something. So poor lady. It's a real slum for her. Yeah. She was hot. Oh, she, she was on judging Amy, so it was her first meeting. Well, maybe. Not, but one of her first meetings with Amy Brenneman. <laughs> She's now on a show with Amy Brenneman again. The laptop. The best show on TV. Okay. Well, those were if that wasn't random, the best sometimes made trivia, up trivia you've ever played. I mean, that got I'll me in my hat for 2000. They really did. I'm just glad I got to slap you, Nathan. <laughs> I got to slap you. <laughs> All right. Happy, slappy, slappy. Let's start with someone other than Nathan. He clearly can't be trusted. Matt, you're number 10. My number 10, the year 2000. Uh, so, 
My number 10, uh, and if you look at the website at Cinemunch, I do have a top 10 posted there. I don't exactly recall what, what the 10 are or what the order is. Oh my God, so this could be totally animal. different, but my number 10 is Requiem for a Dream. The Darren Aronofsky super uplifting rom-com where Jennifer Connelly is like a ditzy librarian okay. and Jared Leto is like, Hey, Mom, you're cute. Off. I may be remembering it incorrectly. <laughs> and then Ellen DeGeneres is the like kooky librarian. <laughs> I wish Ellen DeGeneres. She's the older librarian. That's, I wish Ellen DeGeneres. Jennifer Connelly's the apprentice. Correct. Librarian. Yeah, that that type thing. No, it's <gasps> you all know Requiem for a Dream. It's super depressing but bold, stylized. Ellen Burstyn is outstanding. Burstyn with talent. She sure is. I don't know. I'm sure it'll possibly appear on another list. Uh, no, it it has an honorable mention for being oh. something that like deeply shook me to my core because it was just so horrible. I mean, the movie's really well made, but what happens in the movie's so horrible, and it has a terrific score. Yeah, it gets my it. honorable mention so. just for the score and for the bursting, but it doesn't make my list. I love it. It just puts you in that experience and it's such a mood that it, I mean, it is horrible. Right. Like it's harrowing to watch, but right. it, the way it does, it's such a great anti-drug movie. Yes. It is. It's we better listening. than the dare program for those of you who went through. Yeah. Very true. They should Cheers really be that. showing this in elementary schools. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they should. Required viewing. Yeah. I can get behind the that. The director's cut. <laughs> yes. Unrated. Yeah. <laughs> The um, sex. So who is going now? Oh, me, it, you. It doesn't matter to that. I'll go. Okay, your number ten. My number ten. Pitch Black. Ooh, mm. I like that choice. With Interesting. Vin Diesel. The one and only. Me familiar. <laughs> and I remember seeing this. I loved this movie when it came out. I liked it too. And I remember seeing it with my oldest brother Josh, and afterwards he got real serious. And was like, I think this was right after he took like a a movie class in college. So, you know, he knew everything about <laughs> movies. <laughs> and he, he got real serious and he said that Vin Diesel is going to be huge. Mm. And lo and behold. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Although I think he also said Vin Diesel was going to be one of the most like respected actors of our time. And he was wrong about that. Yes. Yes. To be fair, I had very different expectations for him after Saving Private Ryan. And then his career took a whole different turn. Mm. Wait, what year was Saving Private Ryan? 1988. I didn't even know he was in that. Yes. Is he one of the main guys? He's Groot. He's one like, of the... He's Groot. Like he's <laughs> he's one of the... Yes, yes. Huh. Which that was a whole group of like Barry Pepper oh, was like gonna be a big breakout. Yeah. Adam Goldberg. Frankie Muniz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not in that movie. No, he's even sure. Matt Damon, that was before he was like totally Matt Damon. Little kid from Room, I think, was in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep, he Jacob was. Jacob Trembling. Um sorry, continue though. Oh continue. no, that's that's it. I think um it stands the test of time because mm -hmm. I have not seen it since. 
Yeah, there's lots of these on, on my list that I haven't, so, yeah, but they stick with me. So the the flavor of my top ten list is definitely like give no shits. Mine too. Like I, I'm going with what I liked at the time, and that's how it should be. Yeah. Me too. I um I mean just before I say my top ten, I think it's also interesting how sort of the money in the movie business has worked out and the fact that mm. now there are so many other like platforms so getting people to the theaters is the challenge so I think all of these like mid-range movies mm-hmm. just don't happen anymore and when they do no. happen they're like studio noted to death to try to appeal to the most yep. people ever especially that they're not good anymore because looking through this list there are so many like comedies or mm-hmm. thrillers or horror films that are just really good at achieving what it is they want to achieve. They're yep. not trying to be Oscar winners. They're not trying to appeal to every person in the world. Yep. They just know their genre and they do it really well. And I feel like and those A lot movies, of them were like for adults and like, yeah. you know, mid-range budget, made 50 to 70 million, did well. Right. And yeah, I feel like really Pitch Black is a great yeah, and I feel like Pitch Black is a great example of that. It knew exactly what it wanted to be, and it's really well made for what it wanted to be. Yeah, and it's really good. I enjoy. I mean, and I enjoy like horror genres, so I personally like that movie. But yeah, now a movie in that category would be totally sidelined, and like ten people would see it. Right. Yeah. Um, speaking of a 10. movie, probably about ten people saw. You can count on me. Mm-hmm. Love it. Which I loved. It was also when I was introduced to Mark Ruffalo. Love. And I think that might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite, performance of his. Yep. And it is 100% my favorite Laura Linney performance ever. Yep. That was the first time she ever really caught my attention. I mean, I had seen Congo, <laughs> but I didn't connect that it was what? her. Primal fear. You know what I mean? I guess I'd seen, yeah, so I'd seen her in things, but never in a right. way that I was like, and then I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, I love Laura Linney. And I feel like she's never been able to match that for me. So now I'm like, do I love Laura Linney? And I think she is really good, but it's just that she's never matched. Well, she hasn't really even had a role like that. I'm mean, kind no. of the savages. It's like she doesn't, because yes, like really she's also too. just very kind of every woman. Yes. And can do naturalistic. Yes. You know, and this really gave her a chance to sink her teeth. Yeah, and like Kenneth Lonergan directed right. really well, and right? He, and the chemistry with her and Mark Ruffalo is so good, so great. And it is really natural. And I think that this is probably the start of my like really being drawn to those type of performances. Totally. Uh, and that was probably a movie that was like really significant in me seeking out smaller films and more naturalistic mm-hmm. acting styles and and stories that are told on a more human and kind of simple level yeah. and how you can look at that and really get something deep out of it so that's my number 10 mm-hmm. um Bird. nathan you want to do nine? number nine sure <laughs> my number nine is matt's sure to be matt's number one of the year shock a lot you won't find it in my <laughs> top 30 um i really enjoyed this movie it's something I share with my mother. Yeah. I think we watched it together, and it's definitely like a mother and her effeminate son sort of <laughs> movie. It totally is. Um, but there, it was like, I mean, it has the magic mm-hmm. without being too... Sugary. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, treacly, I was going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I appreciated that. And is Johnny Depp in it? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Now it's I'm all of a sudden Depp remembering Depp that, like, this beastly, <laughs> subhuman person used to actually be He's sexy great. in that movie. Yeah. He has, like, an Irish accent, but it's not overdone. It's really subtle. But I love me some Juliet Binoche. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Judy Dench. Judy Lena no. Olin. No. It's an amazing cast. Mm-hmm. What's her face from The Matrix? And it just Terry makes Jones. me want yeah. Oh, yeah. And it just makes me want to travel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, those my those atmospheric I, movies. I find the show a lot delightful. I really... Right. It's, it's a crash-type situation where you're just mad because it took an Oscar slot that... Right. It shouldn't have been nominated for Best Picture over Almost Famous. Well... I'll say it was just Miramax. Very well. Well, they know what they're doing. They did. Yeah, no. Um, all right. Shouldn't have been in there. I'll go next. My number nine is The Virgin Suicides. Mm. Um, I think it's an imperfect movie, for sure. But it was so, again, sort of like you can count on me, it was sort of scrappy and unusual. And I think it's cast really well. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a different perspective than I had seen. Like, I think I can actually now looking back on it, recognize that it was like a young female filmmaker. Yeah. It absolutely has that stamp. And that's something that is just rare, even movies that are about women. And so much of the movie is about sort of the male perception of these sisters, Mm -hmm. but it's really about like breaking what the male perception of them is and what the reality of their existence is and their lives and their internal lives, which is a way that like is almost sort of a meta commentary on the way that male filmmakers tend to present women mm-hmm. and the reality of what those female characters would actually be. Yeah. Um, so all of that blending together, I think I have now an even greater appreciation for it than I did then. Also, it has a great soundtrack. Sure does. I, that's another one, like mood and tone. It's just very controlled and it... Yeah. It's so, I mean, part, partially there's the, the soundtrack and, right. well, and the visuals and the performances, but it just puts me in that mood or like, I feel like yeah. I'm there even though obviously I wasn't a, a sibling or a female in, what was it, like 60s, 60s or whatever? Think, yeah. Yeah. Like a depressed. 60s or 70s. Yeah, yeah. It was like late 60s, early 70s. Something. Yeah. But it definitely, I, I don't know, I was in sync yeah. with, with that movie and I, I really liked it. And Josh uh, Hartnett back when he was like, uh, he, he never... Did it for me personally. Post the faculty. Yes. <laughs> Which faculty. also starred Clea Duval. <laughs> Bringing it back. And Elijah Wood. Um, <laughs> the Virgin Suicides, I really want to see, and I know that I would at least enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Based on what I know. Well, Kirsten Dunst is in it. So yeah. Love. There you go. Yep. Um, It'll be interesting. To and see I'd love to read the book because I, I enjoy that author. Yeah. Yeah, Looking like back, I can too. see how Sofia Coppola the movie is, but at the time, you know, we didn't know. Right. And I don't so, mind that, too. You know, oh I, no, feel I, like so, I feel like Sofia Coppola, it, it's interesting to me because sometimes a lot of people, I feel like a word I hear to describe her work a lot of times is superficial, when I feel like oh, hers is always a commentary on, like, superficial culture. I also feel like it's authentic. Like, she's making stories about... Things she understands. Things she understands. Right. Absolutely. She's not trying to be a genre or perspective totally. that's not her own or that she can't 
you know, put a stamp on. Totally. I just feel like she is a filmmaker with like a very clear point of view and style, Mm -hmm. but because she's a woman, it's the same with literature. Like books written by women are like shoved off as being chiclet. Yeah. Whereas like, Michael Crichton is like, and I love Michael Crichton, but he's like a genius or like John Grisham or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's this thing where like, because she's female and she's writing about stories about women that aren't about, you know, important people doing important things. And she puts 80s pop music in it that she's somehow less than less than and yeah. I think she's a really talented and gifted filmmaker who I will defend I will defend Marie Antoinette oh me too the death for sure and if we ever get to that year so anyway so that's my number nine which would make a good pairing with my number nine uh the emperor's new group <laughs> yes <laughs> which is a real pair which is yeah even you could pair that with Rec Room for a Dream my number ten like it's <laughs> it pairs with lots of things um, yeah, it's, it's, is it Disney's best? No. Is it one of the 10 best movies of the year? No, but it's, it made I my, love it. It made my honorable mention and I toyed for a long time with putting it in my yeah, top for, and it's, it's really, it's Eartha Kitt. It's Eartha Kitt as Yzma. Oh, and if so you listen good. to our animated feature bracket, I'm sure we talked plenty about this movie. It, it's just a, a joy. It is. I, and if you have the DVD, heartily. they have a bonus feature that teaches you to do the llama dance. Ooh, I'll have to pop that in because I certainly do have the special edition. Oh, yeah. Emperor's New Groove DVD. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Vanessa Holsty. She and I watched it together and loved it and then discovered on the DVD the llama dance. And we definitely did the llama dance in her basement. This was one of the only, or I think this is the only time I went to a movie in theaters and was the only one there. I mean, it was just me. And two friends and my sister, but we were the only only people there. Nice. We were wow. racing around. My friend David was like throwing spitballs up the ceiling. What a hooligan! Pay attention. What a hooligan! Earth the kids on screen. <laughs> That's, That's a my number nine. excellent number nine. I agree. Why? Thanks. Do you want to start I, us off number eight? I sure do. Number eight. It's really interesting looking at my list now because the back end is really loaded with the like more serious ones. Number eight for me is Tigerland. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I have a really weird <laughs> preference and like sweet spot of my many sweet spots. It can be like listeners can chart Elizabeth's sweet spots. <laughs> well, they know you don't like corn or <laughs> boxing. Or just sport movies in general. But it's funny because I really don't like, I hate sports movies. Mm-hmm. I don't like movies that for me always seem like about like toxic masculinity but I have this weird thing where I really enjoy war movies. Mm. There's something about like the psychology of what men go through both individually and together as a unit that I find really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a really excellent war movie that's not actually about, like, about them in war, yeah, but just the process of becoming a soldier because it's all about their training. And I think it's like... Colin Farrell's best performance ever. Oh, he's great. And that was definitely a case where I watched that movie and I thought, oh my gosh, he's a star. Oh, this yeah. This person is really incredible. And gorgeous. Right, but it like wasn't even about his, like, yes, right. he's super attractive, but it was more, you know, it was like the Michael Fassbender thing where you're like, okay, mm. yes, this person is, like, really attractive, but on top of it, they have this weird energy that just draws you to them through the screen. They're so charismatic on screen. And they're really super talented. Yeah. So that's my number eight, Tigerland. Nice. I will approve. 
Uh, my number eight, uh, which I definitely have to see again. I haven't seen this since I saw it in theaters. And I bet I wouldn't like it as much now, but I just I remember being really high on it at the time is uh, Steven Soderbergh's Traffic. <laughs> no, <laughs> and it's probably so obvious, just like how I think it's three separate stories that like they're each shot in like a different filter, basically. Yeah. Like the one that's in Mexico, I think, is like yellow tinted, and then the yeah. DC like politics stuff is like blue tinted, and it's like I don't know. 16 or 15 year old me ate that up and Benicio Del Toro was fantastic I'm glad he won might might hate him if I watched it again I don't know the whole cast I liked Michael Douglas I loved Topher Grace and Erica Christensen like young yeah young folks um yeah it's probably just a really obvious accessible film that I liked at the time that I might might not now or like might put the whole like drug war situation into too pad of a story or something but right but i remember responding to it i just I remember, remember finding it kind of boring yeah i remember trying to watch it and yeah. not succeeding yeah I, just, I didn't care <laughs> yeah i feel like i saw it probably around the time just before oscar nominations and was like pleased with myself that i knew it was going to get some things and that i actually did like it so that probably like raised its right. esteem in my I think there was something about that movie, you know, because Steven Soderbergh does, like, cool and disconnected mm-hmm. really well, and there was something about the subject matter and storyline that that really didn't work for me, that the result was I was just completely disconnected from the film. Yeah. And I didn't give a shit, and I just wanted it to end. Oh, I, I have pretty exhilarating. a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But that's fair enough. You have a terrible number eight. Um, <laughs> Clea Duvall is in it? No, she's not. My number eight is Chicken Run. All right. Um, which I I think I've only seen the once, but it was hilarious. Twas. Um, that British wit. I've never yeah, seen it. Yeah. Like we discussed so on the animated. British humor. Um, Mel Gibson. Yeah, witty, smart. Oh, God, don't remind me. <laughs> well, now it's fallen off my list. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say. It's, it's really smart, and it works for children. It's like a great escape, prison escape, hijinks, yeah. kooky characters. I mean, when did, like, Toy Story come out? 95. And Toy Story 2, 99. Well, in my head, <laughs> this movie was like before I realized how smart Pixar movies are in terms of appealing to the adults and the children. Mm-hmm. And so that really st- stood out to me with this. Right. And you were probably at the right age how, that you were. And it, how universal it was and yeah, the different, the different nuances and levels of jokes that you could get depending on what age you were. Anyway, it's, it's not yeah. Pixar. I know oh, it's not Pixar. He's saying okay. he had to realize. Yeah. I, okay. yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Oh. Don't worry. Sorry. I am amazing. <sighs> um, Maddie, start us with the seventh. You did your eight. Oh, you started with it. Uh, my number seven. Uh, we've already discussed. Was you can count on me. Mm. <clears throat> and I don't know what more I have to say, but yeah. I'm losing my voice. But I love Laura Linney. Yeah. And Mark Ruffalo. So good. You should seek it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah. It's really touching. Yeah. And it doesn't, like, aim to be 
where is my voice? Need more Y2K cocktail. Um, it doesn't like aim to be profound. Like it, its aspirations are so modest, right. and it. Once again, it's them. a movie that is like very clear about what it's trying to achieve and what it wants to be. Right, it's a character it. study that really burrows in, and yeah. even though it's fairly straightforward, you can still take a lot from it totally. and relate to it in, in different ways depending on your own life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my number seven. Yes. Nathan? My number seven is Mission to Mars. <laughs> is it? I have not it seen is. that. Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> this was the year of Mars, if you remember, with Red Planet and Mission to Mars. And we went to Mars. And Pitch Black wasn't Making a real Mount comeback this year. Um, it's been there ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't even know if this is the one with Gary Sinise or if that's Red Planet. <laughs> Does it look matter? It <laughs> I think Red Planet had Val Kilmer. I think Red Planet actually had Gary Sinise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but whatever. I know Mission to Mars had this really cool white thing in a dome thing <laughs> near the end. That's all the spoiler I'm going to give you. I don't um, know. I definitely So it, it got really mind-bending. This was like... Gary Sinise was in Mission to Mars. Oh, good. This was like the 2001 for my, you know, 13 oh, sure, or 14 sure, sure. year old self. Tim Robbins, Don Cheadle. Where it wasn't actually saying anything, but it seemed impenetrable. Yeah. Probably because it wasn't saying oh. anything. I could I just talk all this. night and they wouldn't <laughs> listen yeah, to you. Too. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. That's my number seven. And Clea Duvall played Mars. <laughs> she was amazing She's as the red planet. Everywhere. Mother Mars. Elizabeth, uh, your number seven. Uh, my number seven is Chocolat. Oh, Woo! great. Let's uh, move on. Much like, <laughs> much like Nathan, it's one I associate with my mom. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a great ensemble. It's light. It's about women, and it's about women forming community too because Julia Binoche helps the other women in the town which is always nice to see it's one of the rare best picture noms that really is sort of exclusively with a female lead there was another so, one that year applaud that alright um and uh it makes me want to eat chocolate and travel. What was my final thing? Oh, and it happened on a day that I saw a double feature with my mom, my aunt, Sandy, and my sister. And the first movie we saw was Quills, oh. which at the age of 15 is a very awkward movie to see sitting in yeah, between your aunt I'm and your sure. mother when there is Joaquin Phoenix having, spoiler alert, having sex with Kate Winslet's dead body. And Jeffrey Rush is nude for the last two-thirds of the yep. film and writing in fecal matter and other bodily discharges on the walls. And we were a little bit scarred to see. I couldn't even tell you if the movie is actually like a well-made film or good because it was just so traumatic. I'm confusing that with Emperor's New Groove. Unless <laughs> yeah. have those mixed up. So anyway, that was the first movie we saw in our in our double feature that day. And we were like, oh. And then we saw Shock a lot. And it was really, literally just a, a Palette cleanser. breath yeah. of fresh air. <laughs> so I have particular fondness of it for that. Fair enough. Yeah, Shock a lot to me feels like a cross between the best exotic marigold hotel, yes. old hotel, and Eat, Pray, Love. Yes! Which I will still defend Eat, Pray, Love a bit, a tiny bit. 
against the haters, even though it's not a good movie. Right. It it at least you know. It's also a movie. It's also a movie that if I've had like a bad day and came home and I had it like on the TV, I would be like, oh yeah, I want to watch Chocolat. Oh sure. Like I want to drink tea and it's pleasing. Or hot chocolate and watch Chocolat. It's harmless entertainment. Fine. Um, Nathan, what's your number six? So my number six is Bring It On. Nice. Starring Kiki Dunst. And Me too! Yes. That's my number six! Yes. <laughs> I'm going to jump on it. Chow. Cheers! Cheers! To Torrance. Um, this was an important movie for me. Mm-hmm. It's a great I movie. I saw it with friends and I loved it. Um, I remember seeing or I remember like some of them making fun of me afterwards saying you're like the the gay character or something (laughs) just like totally oblivious totally just saying it to get a rise out of me but but I think there was like some knowledge behind it (laughs) um but yeah like seeing seeing these high schoolers just kind of Talk about lots of different things without a care. Yeah. Um, made me very happy. It was so unlike my little small town existence. Yeah. And it was about cheerleading. Come on. Yeah. Competitive cheerleading. Yeah. We so watched And we, we watched it recently, which definitely helps. Right. It holds up. It holds up in an interesting way, too. Like, I'm thinking about, right now, Ryan Murphy's Scream Queens, where so much of the humor is just really inappropriate, mm-hmm. in a way where it's sort of inappropriate just to be shocking. And Bring It On is a little bit that way. A lot of the humor, now rewatching, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> That's horrible. But then at the same time, it totally calls them out for oh, totally. white privilege, and, like, the racial component is really fascinating, in that, like, to think that is 15 years ago. Yeah, they totally call them out on white people like appropriating black culture, and then at a certain point, she tries to give them a check so that they can go, and she's like, "No, we don't need your money," and she doesn't take it. They raise the mm-hmm. money on their own, which again speaks to like how white people think they can handle racial problems, right. like everything, and then the fact that they lose, like everything. Go and then it's all second. kind of in the background, like right. It's really, but it's, that would be such a statement today. Yes. Like, it's so, but so it's not. It's just a funny. Fifteen years ago, that was just you know part of the plot, and there it is, right. and they're commenting on it, and it's like feels realistic, right? And nowadays, that wouldn't even you wouldn't even address those things. Yeah. Like it's so weird. Uh, yeah, I don't. But to me, that's a problem. I mean, when it came out, no one took that seriously as an issue. Like they, mm. right? The people weren't recognizing the real point that the movie was making. Right. Because the creators of the movie knew what they were saying. Right. Right. But what audience was actually Picking up on it. Right. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. For sure. But it's certainly not the movie's fault. I mean, the movie is no, really I mean, subversive in that way. Yeah, like it's meant it's great. to... Like it, meant to be, yeah. Yeah. It's not the movie's fault that audiences are stupid. It's just kind of crazy that it was 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. That audiences still wouldn't pick up on it. Yeah. Right. Or more importantly, they would and then be like crazy offended. And yeah, that's horrible. True. Right. And that's, at this why are they trying to push an agenda? Yeah. Exactly. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's it's funny and 
I love Kirsten Dunst. It's hilarious. Eliza Dushku. What's his face is so Jesse attractive. Jesse Bradford. So attractive. Swim so fan. Cute. That's swim the fan. one. <laughs> He'll always be swim fan. Swim fan. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was my number six too. I have nothing more to add to that. What was your number six? Man? My number six is Chicken Run. Woo! So we talked we've about that. Touched on that and. I don't have much more to say on that one. All right. So it's breezy. So <laughs> it is. It's me. We're with, into our top five. With number five, my number five is What Lies Beneath. What oh. does lie beneath? That movie was scary to me at 15. It was thrilling. It starred my favorite actress, mm. Michelle Pfeiffer, who I freaking love. Mm. I think she's terrific. Um, I grew up watching, you know, Harrison Ford movies, obviously Star Wars, but um, especially Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade got a lot of play in my house, and then The Fugitive was yes. my obsession for, like, a year. I would watch The Fugitive, like, so every good. day. <laughs> I love The Fugitive so much. Our mutual friend, Nora, <laughs> her now fiancé, Cameron, loves The Fugitive, and I tried to describe to her... Like, I kept talking about my love for this movie, and then she finally watched it, and she was like, didn't that. get what the hubbub was about. <laughs> but I love The Fugitive. So anyway, so I have, like, a real tie to Harrison Ford from even when I was young. Like, I, and you know, he's, like, the hero and yeah. the smartass and the blah, blah, blah. And so to see him be menacing and the bad guy mm-hmm. and... He does it well. He does it really well. And it's still kind of, like, an erotic movie. Yeah. And the ghosts part of it, like, it all comes together really well. I loved that movie. Yes. I want to watch that movie right now. Yeah, I would need to rewatch it. <laughs> I haven't seen it since theaters, but I definitely... It was one that I liked at the time, too. Um, who's next? Me? Uh, my number five is Best in Show. Yeah. The Christopher Guest mockumentary about dog shows that has all his usual players. I think it's possibly his but I don't know he's they're so good yeah Mighty Wind that and Waiting for Guffman are just like such a trifecta they're also so so even like um uh, who's the first one why can I think of the name of it right now Spinal Tap thank you this, this, is is spinal, spinal tap. this is Spinal Tap I think that one resonates less with me because that particular like hairband era is just not something I grew up knowing mm-hmm. but all of his are so specific to its genre and topic that it's hard to judge them against one another because he's so cat you know that i think probably the two that resonate the most with me are best in show even though i'm not like a dog person right but dog show person and waiting for guffman for but sure. waiting for guffman it's because like i know community theater, theater. Right. it's yeah, so yeah. spot on that it in that way it's genius so it's hard to yeah it's, yeah, hard it's to kind choose. of like Mike Lee a little bit in a way where like clearly they yeah. have and I obviously they don't have a ton of rehearsals it's mostly like improv <laughs> and there's certainly a, a script and a structure but right. like because each person is so in charge of their own character it's <laughs> it's so realized it's so fully formed and it's yes. so helpful to the comedy yes. cuz cuz they're all playing it for real like yes. like a, in that mockumentary style which is now everywhere in like TV like right. stuff like that but they're playing it for real and it 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 grounds you into the situation, and the humor just stems from the, these ridiculous people. And they all have such great chemistry. That has such heart, too. Good yeah. nuggets. Oh, my God. And you know that there's just hours of other footage, <laughs> and 
that he assembles these movies so well is right. really, really great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's such a terrific movie. All right. Um, Nathan. Number, number five. five. Um, scary Movie <laughs> is my number five. Um, I saw this in at the one screen movie theater in my hometown, <laughs> the Rialto, mm-hmm. uh, with my middle older brother, Andrew, and one of his friends. And I, I think it was a partially that I was excited to be invited to see the movie and that it was so funny <laughs> that it's one of the top two or three laughing fits that I've had <laughs> in my entire life. I thought I was... At any specific part or just... Well, of course it was when, like, the... Um, Gender ambiguous, uh, like oh, gym, gym teachers, teacher? oh, like <laughs> ball fell out of her skirt or yeah. whatever. So I mean, I was a, I was a kid, but <laughs> with two older brothers. <laughs> with two older brothers, yeah. You shouldn't have been at this R-rated film. I know, I know. But um, had, my dad had to go with me. With my <laughs> it. I thought I was going to die. I, I thought I was going to suffocate because I was laughing so hard. And that's like something you can't recreate if you try. So yeah, no, I really, really, really and smart for how stupid it was. Oh sure, I mean it's really obvious, you know, spoof. Yeah, but it knows humor, what it's. It, it's another one that knows exactly and it's what it's doing. Still focused and it works. You and know, I remember, yeah, I really like to rewatch it too because now I feel like it has such a bad sort of connotation because of where that whole thing sort of spun off with. Because it was so easy to make multiple movies, sequels, right. and then they became really terrible, yeah. and then it became like not the another genre. teen movie. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Now they then they do it for like every popular genre. And it's, Gets its own spoof movie, and it's made. like barely yeah. a plot. I feel like the thing I remember about about scary movie the first one is that it actually had a plot though and there were like a few scenes that almost kind of worked as like scary scenes on their own Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean it actually in some ways achieved being what it was spoofing at the same time but just like more tongue-in-cheek more cheap jokes than scream like it was like really just like being like lower in terms of like class right it was like the distorted mirror image yeah of screen which was already sort of a spoof of the genre right, exactly. but also more just scary and still yeah. and Anna Ferris is good I love yeah. Regina Hall in the in both this well, one yeah. and especially in the Hall second one terrific. she's great what she is she needs, doing with her life she's been in things here and there but she needs more work but she does need more work still one of my favorites especially at the time because I was already like an Oscar fanatic right is her being in the movie theater Cell phone rings and the you know the crowd hates her so they end up killing her because she's just obnoxious. But <laughs> the phone rings. She's like, "Hey girl, I'm in a movie. Oh, Shakespeare in Love. Like, don't go in there." And like watching it as if Shakespeare in Love is a horror movie. Right. She's like, oh, this is some scary shit. I love it. It's so <laughs> ridiculous, but it's so good. And I think the movie is. I think it's Miramax or Dimension. Who also did? Yeah, it's I yeah. Think I think so. it is Dimension. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love there. I mean, there are lots of little moments. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I the first, that. and I feel like the second one to a lesser degree, but the first... The second one is definitely worse, but I think Regina Hall is just as good in the second right. one. And they were, at least, again, they were, like, they walked that line of, like, not just being stupid non-sequiturs. Right. It's like, look at what I'm name-checking. Right. It was instead a little smarter while still being... just scenes that exist for a punchline. Blue humor, yeah. yeah. Good yeah, choice. Nice choice. Not on my list, but... Me neither. I do appreciate scaring me. As do I. 
Uh, I think we're back to you, Matt. Number you did your four. five? Yeah, I started. I started with What Lies Beneath. Oh, goodness, I don't know where we're going. Uh, no, my no. number four is Dancer in the Dark. Mm. Uh, which, similar to Requiem for a Dream, is not a movie I ever want to watch again. No. But it's profoundly moving. Yeah. And really, really great. And Bjork is unbelievable. And it just adds to it the fact that she's like never going to act again. <laughs> and it's like this once-in-a-lifetime captured... It's just art. Did she say that? Or... Well, she had a really terrible experience filming it. Yeah. Oh, and okay. she just doesn't want yeah. to again. I request for our viewers that there be no spoilers. Yeah, so no, I'm not going to talk much about it. I mean, if you haven't seen it, I would say check it. It's worth watching. It is totally. a really fantastic film. And it's really, also... Yeah, moving, as I said. Yeah. Personal. It's also sort of funny, culturally. Uh, that one didn't make my list for two reasons. One, because, as you just said... I never want to watch it again because it was like. I've seen sadder movies. Like it's sad. I have too, but something kinda... about that was like. Oh, I think it's partly because she is so good. She's great. So it just makes it like all the more real. No spoilers. Just, anyways. And then the other thing was I didn't see it in two thousand. I saw it in college. Yeah, I saw it much later. Sure. So for me, it's hard for me to like put it in a specific year category because it exists for me very much as like college junior Elizabeth, not 15-year-old Elizabeth. Sure. But it's interesting that sort of culturally, because that was the year then that she, to the Oscars, wore the swan dress, mm -hmm. which became like a sort of like punchline yeah. joke. And it's just so interesting that she became the like joke of that year's Oscars and blah, 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 when the reason she was there was because of the original song. Great song. Which is a great song in this like incredibly artistic, like, yeah, you know, work of emotionally art. honest work of art, and then it was like, oh, but she wore a swan dress, ha ha ha, That's which just again is like unappreciated genius in her time, Bjork. Mm -hmm. Good for yeah. her. That's my number four, Nathan. Well, my number four is Remember the Titans, mm. <laughs> okay. which <laughs> I I really don't like sports movies, but I've always <laughs> loved this movie. Um, I think I watched it probably like six times in school. Every time, oh, really? every on time one of our trip. teachers didn't want to teach a lesson, I just and throw like this in or wow. substitute. Um, I don't know. I think if I watched it now, I would think it. I would think of it similarly to like The Blind Side, or mm. right. I don't know. Who knows what I would think? But at the time. Is this it the one resonated? There's like a little girl. That. Hayden Pantier. Oh, is it? Mm -hmm. And then she, she like. She like coaches. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably why I liked it. Yeah, she's a <laughs> sassy I'm the little girl. Yeah, with her curly hair. My younger sister, because my sister is really into sports. And I think, and, I mean, Denzel Washington is the coach. Yeah. And that was back when I understood why he was a movie star. Yeah. Now I just can't stand him, but <laughs> but he's you know he right. has that oh, yeah. screen presence. Sure. It's a good cast of young people too. Mm -hmm. I remember in particular the and now I think they do mostly like TV work, but the like of the high schoolers. There's the main story between the like, the, of course the like black character and the white character, 
Is it one of them Ryan Gosling? Isn't he? He's in it, but he's not like one of the main. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and the white actor went on to be in. Um, oh my gosh, the Tom Hanks Coen brother film, The Lady Killers. The Lady Killers, and he was the like super dumb one on the team, and he was really really funny, and it like could not be more opposite. But they were both really great actors, and they have sort of the emotional arc of that because one of them gets injured. I think the white one oh, right. it's, it's like very Friday Night Lights type thing. But the, it was like a good cast. It was a good ensemble with like moving performances. And I'm sad that neither of them have had more successful post-careers from that. Kip Pardue's in it. Eat Kip something. Donald Faison. Yeah, mm. it's got a good cast. Yeah, um, don't know who me. any of those people are. Moving on. Um, and <laughs> my, my number four, we don't need to spend a lot of time on my number four is Best in Show. Terrific. That movie makes me laugh so hard. Fantastic. So hysterical. Um, so, Nathan, why don't you do number three? Bronze medal. You didn't do four, Matt? I started, started. at four. Oh. <laughs> my four was uh, Dance with the Dark. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bronze medal. So, number three... What Lies Beneath. Yes! What um, does lie beneath? This one was another like, true movie theater experience. Yes. Um, I remember like crouching down or, <laughs> or slinking back or whatever in my seat. Um, getting all scared. Harrison Ford being totally freaky. Um... <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah, it's such for a great For all movie. the reasons aforementioned. Well, you're both making me want to watch it again. I know, I kind of want to turn this podcast off right now and just watch it. I don't, I don't remember much of it, other than like water. It's a no-nonsense the bathtub, thriller. obviously. The, the bathtub scene. Right. What stood out. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your number? What is your number three? Oh, because you started it. You did, mm-hmm. yeah. I go. Nice I got very confused. My number three is Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Mm. <laughs> um, the Coens. I understand how this movie could be divisive as Nathan is pretending to have a seizure next yeah. to me. I loved it and I had only seen up to that point I had only seen the only other Coen Brother film I had seen was Fargo mm-hmm. which I love the best movie ever and made. love and yeah. is yeah for I mean no joke probably at least in my top five Mm-hmm. movies ever made. Oh Brother Art though is not there, but um it was so fun. I had never seen I like watched early seasons of ER all the time. I'd never seen George Clooney like that. It's the most I've ever liked him. I think he does the dim witted mm-hmm. person who thinks he's really smart really, well, really well. Yeah. Um it's a great ensemble cast. I like mm-hmm. Holly Hunter in that Love movie. Her. I loved the music in the movie, and I loved because I was, like, a huge, like, Greek mythology nerd when I was younger, and so I really knew this the story of the Odyssey and Odysseus really well, so it was really fun to see it updated. I mean, the same way I like any sort of, like, classic literature update that works well. Not like, I know some people are going to tell me that, like, Twilight is supposed to be an updated bullshit of, like... Wuthering Heights, but, but like, no. fuck you, Twilight. 
but anyways, when it's done really well, I, I love it. And again, it was my second Coen Brothers film, and there's just something about when they're like in zany mode, there's nothing else like it. They're yeah. like, their shot composition, the timing, the dialogue, it's so specifically them. Which they which, always have, but it works really well for comedy. Right, yeah. exactly. It works just for film in general. They're and it was a movie that I had zero, I think it also helped that it was a movie I had zero expectations for, because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to like any, like nothing about this, especially because before I saw the movie, I didn't know it was an adaptation of The Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's nothing about this that appeals to me, but I saw it because my family loved to see movies, and then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in love. Yes. <laughs> this is hilarious. I did not know it was going to, because I think they also marketed it weird. Like, oh, I'm sure to I don't think anyone really realized it was going to be the type of comedy the soundtrack it was. was like a huge hit. Soundtrack's great. After the film. Right. Mostly, but. So yeah, that's my number three. Hmm. Not on my list, and I should probably watch it again. Have you seen it? Maybe? Yes, I've seen it. I'm getting a glass of wine. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, well, my number three, my bronze medal, is Billy Elliot. Mm-hmm. Stephen Daldry's film debut as a director. I... Not only because I'm a male dancer, but this movie really... What? What? I mean exotic dancer. Male dancer? Male exotic (laughs) dancer. Nope. Um, But yeah, this movie really touches me. Yeah. In places that emotions should be touched. I don't don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about either. (laughs) I don't think I appreciate you trying to somehow... He's just being a man who's... Uncomfortable talking about it. About feelings, yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) I am such a man. No, I think this movie is really special. And if it had never gotten the acclaim that it did, it would still be really special to me. Like, it's just... Similar to some of the other movies we've talked about, like, it gets its tone and, like, the place really... I mean, it's very specific in, in that time and place. And it gets it down so well that you feel like you're there, you know enough about... Billy's life and his home yeah. life and then his ambitions and it's ah and then the best friend and oh yeah. my god it's it's really 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 great I really love this movie and Julie Walters is fantastic great you know Julie Walters is my gal she's your girl I can't believe I that when we did Bell. our best actress bracket, oh, bracket. that we left we off her. we freaking put Naomi Watts in the old Brits category and she only lived there till she was eight and she's only like in her forties and we somehow <laughs> left off Julie Walters. Julie, I'm sorry. Next time. But yeah, I really, really love that movie and it's really great on rewatches too. It gets better and better. Oh yeah. And the musical's good too. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I'm a fan of that movie. It made my honorable mention list. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I understand why people would like Oh Brother Where Art Thou. <laughs> I think, actually, I'm realizing something about myself. I think I hate George Clooney. That's, I but actually I, don't think I really like him, except for, again, I like him in this movie because I think it's such a, like, he's such a dumbass. Yeah. Which I like him doing Cohen's comedy, like Burn After Reading, and yeah. he looks great in Hail Caesar. Yeah. I don't think... Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not that uncommon to hate George Clooney, but I just, for right. some reason, I never wanted to accept that I hated him. <laughs> right. But he just rubs me the wrong way. And that comedy, the comedy and the era, whatever it is supposed to be, 
just doesn't. Right, Great Depression. Yes, no. No, thank you. That's good. Um, but enough about that. My number two is... Do you start with two? Wait. Didn't you start with three? Yeah, I start with two. I thought you were doing number two. I just did my number three. I ended. That was my number three. I start oh. number two. Oh, fine. Zip it. My number two is Miss Congeniality. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. I love these lists. They're all over the place. Stand by it. I love that movie. That movie makes me laugh so hard. That is another one that makes me think of, like, my family because we have watched that movie so many times. Mm -hmm. And if that movie is on TBS, you better bet that I'm going to watch the whole thing. every single time. And I'm going to laugh. Yep. It's genius. It makes the best use of Sandra Bullock and her many gifts, both physical, in-line delivery, her Mm -hmm. timing. She has, she's such a generous performer, which I think is something she doesn't always get enough credit for. And so all of her scenes pop. The scenes with the contestants where it's a bunch of actresses who are like not famous people. Mm. Like she's really generous in those scenes with those girls. Totally. She has such great chemistry with Michael Caine. I love Love that Michael Caine performance. Like (laughs) when he talks about her masticating the dead cow in front of him when they're first meeting. I mean, really, I could just quote the whole movie. I love it. Benjamin Brad is super attractive. It's really great. It's really great, and it's such a... Again, I feel like that's one of the things that, like, now they get so studio-noted and whatever that you don't get... And it's not even really a rom-com because the romance is so secondary to that movie. Mm-hmm. But you don't get just fun, female-driven comedies anymore. And when you do, they're, like, super studio-noted or they have such a bad sort of buzz following them to be like this is a woman's movie this Mm -hmm. is a chick flick this is a like whatever negative connotation we have Mm -hmm. but this movie's so great and i feel zero guilt for liking it and putting them oh no no you shouldn't no it's great and i'm excited to see like 50 years from now hopefully we're still alive i feel like this (laughs) movie will will really hold up oh yeah i think so like I mean, I Candace think of, Bergen. I think of I, I can't think of any specific examples, but movies that in their time were like, oh, this is just this genre, or right. this is just that, right? And then now we're like, no, that's a classic, right? Like, not that this will be necessarily at that level, but I think it's. But I actually think of that sort of like slap again. I hate to say rom com because it's not really, but of that sort of like slapsticky female driven comedy. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best in the genre. Yeah, like, and Sandra Bullock will endure Like, she'll always be, like, oh, one yeah. of the, like, the stars of this particular era. And yeah. this, I think, will be one of those that, that lasts a long Wow, her. I really need to see this movie again. You haven't seen Because, it? again, oh. she's also... Again. Oh, I've okay. seen it She's twice. so likable and also smart. Like, I think her, you know, we were talking about Lily Tomlin, and it's a totally different type of smart. I don't mean to imply that, but, like... There's something about her where she can be in on the joke and you as the audience trust her because she seems like such a savvy person and so smart. And I think that that sort of wryness always comes through when she's doing these comedies. And so she can play these like broad characters or characters that in like another actress's hands would feel like a really bad stereotype of, right? Like the uptight woman who nobody oh, likes sure. and that the whole thing because she's be so like career this. driven but she's always does it with like just enough wink and she's so fucking likable and charismatic as yeah. a performer that you're like, no, I'm on board. I'm oh, she carries on the board for whatever if you were just to look is. at Obviously, if you just look at the premise, but I'm sure if you just looked at the script, it'd be like, oh, this is just like a makeover. Like, right. 
And then it's like, oh, kind she of. She becomes like, more feminine and then more successful. And then he likes her, and then she has friends type thing. Right. But no, she really carries that movie. And, yeah. And yeah. Not on my list, but a great selection. My number two, Matt. My number, number two silver medal is Aaron Brockovich, the mm-hmm. other Steven Soderbergh mm-hmm. film from 2000. I think. Also not on my list. I am tempted to say that I think this movie is flawless. I think it's really, really, really fantastic. Like, studio... But, well, it's still Soderbergh, so it's not, like, huge budget studio, but star vehicle, with still being, like, Soderbergh's, like, more indie, character-driven sensibility, the perfect vehicle for Julia Roberts and her charisma, and or I guess the perfect character for her, what she does best, and I think her she's... Her modesty... <laughs> in all ways. Oh, Lord. No, I think she's really, really, really great. She serves, she serves the movie. The movie serves her. This is one of my favorite movies, truly. And I think it's it's such yeah, a feel-good movie. You think it's a good movie, too? I, I do. I, I do, think too. It's, it's, on my, it's on yeah, my honorable yeah. mentions. I actually just need to see it again. Because I, I remember liking it at the time, but it's not something that I've rewatched. And I haven't seen it. Oh, I could watch it I guess I'm just pick. The reason I said yikes is... There was a, an image in my brain of you as some sort of busty St. Clair <laughs> trailer lady being best friends with Julie Roberts' character in, you know, the South. I don't even know where they're living. It's windswept wherever they are. Florida? It's always windswept. But I just, yikes. That's an image. Okay. I, I will see your yikes. And, and agree with that image. But no, I think, again, like I was saying, just Soderbergh just really populates the movie with, again, it's kind of like what we were talking about with Christopher Guest and like all the peripheral mm-hmm. characters. Oh, no, like they're great. Mark Helgenberger really stands out. Cherry Jones is great. When is she not? That's true. When, are, when is he? Early? I, guess. I love Albert Finney in that movie. I love Albert Finney. I love their chemistry. Yeah. I, lo- I Obviously, there are like standout scenes that seem like they're you know, the big studio, this is a, a great punchline or great moment. Like right. the, the whole time when, um, the uptight lawyer comes in and they have the meeting and she's like, you know, you did a great job, but we're going to take over from here to talking like condescendingly to Julia Roberts, to Aaron Brockovich. And she's like, but we're going to need to, you know, take all your files and we're going to, there's a lot of work that needs to be filled in. And she's like, well, what do you need? What info do you need? And she's like, well, you know, you need phone numbers and date of births and, you know, symptoms and all this. And, of course, she has... It's just such a feel-good movie that it's probably not super realistic to the story, but it's it's works so well. It just again, seems, I don't even remember that. I really... I just need to see it again. Oh, because that's when she's like, what do you need? She's like, okay, well, the uptight lawyer finally opens up one file and is like, okay, well, what's the phone number for so-and-so? And Julia Roberts goes, 8764, like, just whips out. And she's like, and her birthday is this. She's married to this. Her symptoms are this. They started showing that, like, she goes way overboard and giving her all the information she needs. She's like, fine. And so then she goes and pours herself a glass of water, the uptight lawyer, and Julia Roberts is like, oh, and by the way, we had that water brought in special for you folks, brought from a well in Hinkley. And it's just this perfect button to the scene. It's so good. Uh, the movie is filled with things like that, but then it also just has such heart, and it's such a like underdog right. story. I really, really, really respond to this movie, and I love it. Obviously. That's fair. Again, I remember liking it at the time, so this isn't like a... Nathan gagging when I said, oh, brother, we're our Valentine's dream. <laughs> he makes yet another face. I just don't remember it well enough to... 
And I, I know I liked it at the time, but it's just, it's grown with each viewing Pee-wee. as well. Fair enough. So that's my number two. Runner up. Uh, my number two is Best in Show. Excellent. We've talked about extensively. I think it is Christopher Guest's best. Um, Could be. I also love Waiting for Gothman because it involves theater, which I have <laughs> some experience with. <laughs> and you definitely have experience in a small town. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like yeah, spot on. But um, I think Best in Show is just like yeah, timeless, I guess. I also think Best in Show yeah. is strangely his most sincere. Like, yeah. for all of their ridiculousness, there's a real, like, heart that sort of runs through it. They're especially maybe the most with human characters. Too. Yeah, especially with his character, the one he plays. Like, when he wins, <laughs> it's actually, like, such a, like, genuinely, like, feel good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now, every time I travel, I pack eight kimonos. <laughs> Group schmoop, bring on the formal wear. It's <laughs> so quotable. It uh, is. I know yeah, I want to watch that too. It's so, so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. We could sit for hours and talk or not talk, <laughs> not talk and, talk and still find things to not talk, talk about. Not talk about. Uh, what is your number one, Matt? Well, I already know. Did you but... do your number two? Yeah, I oh, started. You started. Oh, my. Well, we know my number one. I almost famous is far and away my number one, and probably you know this is a around the time just in my life when I was really falling in love with movies. And this is probably my first like favorite movie besides like childhood favorite movies. This movie really connected with me. I saw it like right away when it came out, loved it and then enjoyed following like the Oscar season from there. And it won the golden globe and Kate Hudson was like, seemed like a sure thing. And then it didn't get in for best picture. And then I just loved it even more because it like kept that underdog status. I watch it all the time time or have watched it many many times since then i've loved introducing it to people that haven't seen it it's this is cameron crowe's like semi-autobiographical um you know like about a young journalist who goes on the road with a a fictional band called stillwater i think the ensemble is fantastic kate hudson should have won sorry about it no no she should have no she should have it's uh, everything the music the the characters (laughs) Everything about Almost Famous, just saying, I don't even, I can't eloquently speak about how great the movie is. Fair enough. It's just fan-fucking-tastic. made my honorable mentions. It did not make <sighs> it in. And I, I actually, because I know that it's your number one, and I knew it was your number one when I was making the list. And I, I think I liked it more at the time than I do now, actually. It's not mm-hmm. aged as well with me, and I think part of it is that, also speaking specifically of Kate Hudson's part, that movie is so specifically, and I don't even mean this as a criticism or to say that the film shouldn't be this way, but the film is very specifically from a male point yeah. of view and yep. male idealization of women. Like Just her character. You, you, right, and you speak about the, and reminds the reminds me of boyhood a little bit. No, and that's what and I'm I having love, a flashback to, which is that like I can acknowledge it's a really well-made movie. I think it's made honestly and uncynically from the person who is telling the point of view Mm -hmm. which happens to be a straight white male Mm -hmm. which is just something that I can acknowledge and appreciate but I don't connect to on that way and I can see things where I'm like I don't think you have that right like you know as far as like what my experience as a woman in the world is Mm -hmm. and particularly the characters 
interactions with Penny Lane and the way she's treated in the movie through the various male characters, like, it bothers me. But it also kind of addresses that, and, like, she has her moments. It does, but even that feels like... But even that feels like a woman who's mistreated, and then a male's perspective of what that is. What redemption, or, like, what... You know what I mean? I mean, I hate to use this term, because people use it, and it drives me crazy, but when people talk about, like, the white knight syndrome, right? Where it's, like... Misogyny has its flip side, which is like then people thinking that they're like protecting women, and it's like, but that's not what we need either. What we need is for you to understand and listen to our experiences. Fair so I don't think that the film achieves either side of it. I think it's attempting to, and I think it's earnest and well intentioned, and I think that's all it needs. To be. And I, I think, think that's it. all it needs to be. It just doesn't then resonate with me because I'm Fair like, eh, maybe not. But I think it's a really great film. I think it's well done. I think the performances are great. I think it's well cast. Yeah, I I don't know why it resonates with me so much. I mean, maybe it is just because it's a coming-of-age young male, but it really does. I love it. I I think I'm I'm very affected by, or very influenced by period. And so... Mm -hmm. Because it kind Kind of feels nostalgic. Kind of like, oh, brother, where art thou? This particular period and especially with music as the focus I just don't connect with mm-hmm. and I think it's a great movie mm-hmm. but it made my honorable mentions but I was about to think that you both had it at number one and we were all gonna have the same number one now no. I feel really sad oh I knew we wouldn't I know oh, he, no. I knew you would be sad but like <laughs> I know it was the first thing we watched together but yeah, was. I wasn't really paying attention but we've watched it again <laughs> since then, and you're very taken with it. Yeah, no. That that's it's, what I'm your saying. list is personal. It's this fine. is what I'm saying. This, I, I love this 2000 list because there, there are I so find many it great movies. difficult. Yeah. To, I chose a path of least resistance, which is <laughs> just my sentimental favorites. Right, and, obviously. Like, this is, is not, this is not the list of what is objectively the best right Fair so enough. is it my turn that said what's your your gold winner 2000 Mine? yep well you can guess probably it's requiem for a dream oh, okay. this also like you were saying matt i think this was one of my first favorite mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. and i think the important thing about this movie for me was that it was like an accessible abstract movie Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it wasn't that abstract. It wasn't like Pi, his other, or his <laughs> earlier movie or whatever. Right. Um, or even The Fountain. Or The Fountain. I love The Fountain, you guys. Yeah, but it was right. like, it was gruesome. I mean, like, there was a lot to latch onto. Yeah. There yeah. was a lot to remember. There was a lot that seared into my brain. Uh, but then there was also a lot to make me feel like I was intelligent. Yeah, I mean, not even that, but like to make to at least like give me as a young cinephile a means of analysis for the movie. Like there were things that I could pick up on easily enough and say, okay, this is what this movie means. And for you know, just being at the point where I was just getting into movies, it was perfect. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I think I only have seen it. Once I own it, 
but I same. <laughs> Again, it's, it's it a tough time. thing that you're like, I'm in, a, I'm um, in the mood to watch a movie. I know it'll pop in. Yeah, <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. But that's why I had. I mean, I love Jared Leto in like mm. in this movie for sure. But it, I had such trouble a couple years ago with his Dallas trajectory Byers, because in the award season because yeah. I loved him so much and then. You discovered he was insufferable. Tragic, yeah. <laughs> but Ellen Burstyn is everything. She is. And Darren Aronofsky. I mean, I've liked pretty much every movie he's Especially made. Especially Noah. Of. Actually, okay, no. <laughs> I knew there was one. I knew there was one I didn't You like. know what's interesting <laughs> is for Noah, that's the one where he sort of had to answer the most to a studio. Hmm. And I, I think mm-hmm. I, to varying degrees, like his movies, but I always respect and respond to his in a really specific way. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the thing that bothered me about Noah was how, like, uninteresting it was, in a way. You know what I mean? Because at least yeah. if you go to see a Darren Aronofsky, at the very least, you expect it to have a reaction like, and I appreciate that yeah like I remember I remember a brief period <laughs> I remember a brief, and again it was like the studio thing so it probably wouldn't have turned out well either but I remember there was a brief period when he was attached to direct the Wolverine sequel oh, yeah. and I was so excited by that because he's such a like specific visionary that I'm always excited to see what he does mm-hmm. even if I like them to varying degrees I think he's a super talented guy super talented director sorry yeah. I jumped in on yours but no that's that's I agree and that's all I have to say I'm super I curious. do want to talk about my honorable mentions oh well, yeah, we'll, talk about it. we'll get to any we haven't mentioned. well I before I say mine I because mine is one that I had a very specific response it's interesting that 2000 seemed to be the year that all of us had started to have like really personal reactions to film mm-hmm. and and the actual like craft not just like ooh, I like that movie right, but, like growing into our own and not just watching like the kid movies or the teen movies or, right you know whatever is like Right. programmed for our age group. Right. And I started to realize, like, exactly how movies could, like, make you feel things on a different level. Sure. Um, and this, for me, was that movie. My number one is Billy Elliot. Ooh, which good choice. I think is funny, considering my 2014 best picture was Pride, which they seem sort of... Mm, British. <laughs> British 80s Thatcher. Yeah. Um... It, I don't know what it, I mean, I really can't even specifically say what it is about Billy Elliot that I love so much, but I remember vividly, I was dog sitting for a friend of mine who was like older. I was in high school and I was dog sitting for this couple friends I had and my mom came over to keep me company one night and she and I were like, let's rent some movies. And so we rented Gladiator, which she had seen and I hadn't. And then I picked out Billy Elliot, and I don't even know why. I mean, it was probably, like, one of three copies at the Blockbuster, Mm because it's, like, a British independent film. Mm -hmm. And I, it might have been because I was starting to get into Oscars, and I sort of knew that it had buzz. That might have been why I picked it. And I watched Gladiator, and I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And I watched Billy Elliot, and I just remember the end. And, of course, now I've seen Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake, Mm -hmm. which is what he's performing. Right. Which that show also had a similar, that performance also had a similar effect on me where I just like was sobbing at the end. Mm -hmm. 
And I was just sobbing at the end. And my mom left. And I was like, I should go to bed. And I just went back to the TV and I restarted it. And I watched the whole movie. Similar to what I did with Pride, yeah. which is like... I just watched it immediately afterwards. Everything about it, I Jamie Bell should have been nominated for an Oscar for Absolutely. that performance. I think he won the BAFTA. He He's did. Yeah. He's so good, and he for really, a child really perform, I mean, he. There's so much in that. The father is so excellent. The brother is yep. so excellent. The, the best friend is the, so the excellent. The grandma. Yeah. the grandma, Julie Walters, is like. Even if that was the only Julie Walters movie I'd ever seen, I'd be like, I love Julie Walters. She's one of my favorite actresses. She's so good. I can't wait for Brooklyn. Like mm-hmm. that movie just affected me on a really personal level, and I think partly because it is small, and mm-hmm. and partly because you know I grew up the child of two teachers of the arts of music and dance and theater was always really important to my own personal identity mm-hmm. but of course I didn't have the complicated like gender politics that go with those things right. because it's totally acceptable for girls to be into dance and singing and right. theater and whatever but just like watching a story of how arts transform a young life was like really felt really personal yeah and it's so neatly tied into the bigger sort of geopolitical situation without feeling like superimposed or they were trying to make a bigger point or they were trying to like yeah anyway that's my favorite movie but looking through this list a lot of things like i said like you can count on me the virgin suicides tigerland like a lot of these i can see its influence on how my taste developed then sure since then for sure in a way that i don't know that i would be able to pinpoint for earlier years i like that your <clears throat> billy elliott sort of tied in with your last year's number one pride yeah. and my almost famous sort of tied in with boyhood yeah what was your number one just now direct room for a dream and what was your number one this past year Ida. Ida. okay <laughs> no maybe not uh, sure <laughs> um any anything any other films we haven't mentioned that, you, that were runner-ups or close um well i just want to say almost famous billy elliott were Honorable mentions for me. Also, Castaway. Oh, sure. I hated that movie. I like that movie. Loathe it. I was I was disappointed with it a little bit, but me too. But it, it, it holds up. It's just so lush. It is. I mean, it's a big screen. studio, big budget. Um, and then I w- there were two I wanted to mention for sure that were only honorable mentions because I feel like I never got the full experience of watching them. Because they were movies that aired on I, on the IFC channel that I had to watch late at night uh, when my parents were asleep, <laughs> because they had like gay themes or whatever. And of course, every time like the worst, most scandalous part would come on, that was when my mom would decide she was like awake <laughs> and running down the stairs surprising me and I would quick change the channel it was so obvious um but Wonder Boys oh I love that movie that was another honorable mention I can't but you know that's because um but again I haven't seen the whole thing it's just it's good and but I'm a cheerleader which I do love I do like but I'm a cheerleader I've seen I think I've seen the whole thing just out of sequence yeah um, but that has some great, I mean, Clea Duvall. Clea Duvall. That's she why is. she's the two, the star of 2000. And why she has net worth of 96 million. <laughs> <laughs> that's another, that's another movie actually that I really want to rewatch because I think now I, holds up. I think, RuPaul's well, I think now I would actually yeah, get more Natasha from Williams. it. Oh, sure. I mean, versus like 
15 year old I remember watching it with my sister we like rented it late at night and it was you know it's like uh, it's subversive in a way that I'm not sure that like preppy Abercrombie and Fitch wearing Elizabeth (laughs) got in 2000 but I think I would get more now on that same line of like gay sensibilities I don't know if you've seen it but you should Nathan you would like Chuck and Buck Mm, uh, that's a good movie. Oh, it's I, yeah. I've heard of it, but no, I have not. It's seen a smaller. It. That's really you know, good. Yeah. Kind of creepy, but <laughs> still like well intentioned. Lupe Anteravus or whatever her name is. Yeah. Rest in peace. She's great in a supporting role, and Mike White is really great in that movie too. Yeah. Well directed. That's that's another movie. Um, Amoris Peros is one that was actually released in two thousand one, but I think on the site does appear on my two thousand. Top 10, because it would definitely wedge its way in there, but unfortunately it's not a 2000 release. I toyed, I really liked Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Me at the too, time, it's on my honorable mention. But I've re, the last time I rewatched it a few years ago, I was, I don't know, once you step back from the, the visuals, which of course were kind of great at the time, and yeah. you know, just the fact that it became this huge hit and was clearly a foreign film that's, you know, not rooted in any American sensibilities was really exciting, but I, don't love it. Yeah, I think that that's one of those to it's use boring. a to use a Nathan phrase. This film should be a painting. Yeah, like it really. I remember being really struck by like I don't think I had seen anything visually that compelling mm-hmm. ever on screen. But I, I mean, I could barely tell you the storyline, and it's I boring. feel like it's it's. Yeah. I mean, it, it works. It's just I don't know. Yeah, it, not my favorite Angley. Nice, yeah. He's got some amazing... The only other one I'd want to mention would be Nurse Betty, <laughs> which I really liked that movie at the time, and I've seen most of it in, yeah. in bits and pieces and bobbles and bits goggles. And bobbles and goggles. Since, <laughs> um, I, this was back when Reynolds Zegweller, <laughs> was like really about to be a big thing, and yeah. I was really into her. Yeah, and, totally. And the movie I really liked. It was just like a dark humor style that... I hadn't seen much of like that before, yeah. and it holds up. I think she's great. Greg Kinnear is great. Allison Janney's in it. She's great, and it's kind of like not Hollywood satire, but it's definitely got aspects of yeah. that because she's like a, a small town bumbling waitress that yeah. witnesses something gruesome, and it triggers like this sort of amnesia that she thinks she's in a, a character of her favorite soap opera and yeah. goes to like Hollywood to track down the lead of this and be like. Hey, you love me because she's like part of it. I love it. It's yeah. really inventive, and I think it works. That's another not movie that my top 10. that makes me think a lot of my family only because, again, I think it was like the marketing thing was weird on it because they were just mm-hmm. billing it as like a comedy, mm-hmm. and it's like Renee Zellweger from Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, Chris Rock. Yeah, and I remember my like mom and aunt probably seeing it and being like, "Oh my god, people get scalped! Like it's right. so horrible." <laughs> And then I finally saw it, but I didn't see that until a few years later. And then I was like, oh, no, this is dark and hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where, like, Midwestern marketing, it was, like, not at all what they expected. Which <laughs> yeah. I understand, too, because if you go into something expecting it to be one thing and it's something totally different, it can be um, a little shocking. I think, yeah, I already mentioned Almost Famous, Crouching Tiger, just for the visuals. Emperor's New Groove is on there because mm-hmm. the llama dance alone, Requiem for a Dream. Um, I, my other honorable mention actually would be, um, X-Men, the Mm -hmm. first one. Sure. I really liked it. 
Uh, I thought it was like a strong comic book movie, but more importantly, X-Men really stands out to me as being one of those films where you're like, whoa, this person is a star. And for me, that's Hugh Jackman in that movie because that was the first thing I'd ever seen him in. Mm -hmm. And those types of movies are not always star-making things, but again, it was like, oh my it's gosh, one of the who first, is this? like big comic book. Like, yeah, it was yeah. really like sort of kicked off the craze before right. Spider-Man happened. Mm -hmm. um, but he's so charismatic and the camera loves him and he was like nobody. He was doing like theater, musical oh, oh, theater right. in yeah. London. Um, so that just sticks out to me because I really loved Hugh Jackman in that movie. And then the other ones that I would just give an honorable mention to are Final Destination and Scream 3. Sure. Because it continued my my curating my love, um, starting in the late '90s of horror films. Sure. And particularly like B horror films. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like there aren't. I mean, Final Destination, whatever, and Screams are kind of whatever. But I feel like they don't even make good B horror movies like that anymore. Yeah. You know, mm. like now there are too many, like they want to have twists or they want to, it's just about the kill or it's just, it, which Final Destination kind of is, but it's also smart about it. Right. It's clever with its concept. Right. And, and maybe it's there just There are some of those every once in a while, but. It's yeah. so like overdone. Mm -hmm. But those, those movies were really important to, again, 15 year old Elizabeth because it continued me being like, oh, I love horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> so they get, they would never make my top 10, but. Honorable mentions, just Still for a good year, two thousand. Really good year. Better than two thousand five. And now I think we should sign off and we should watch what lies beneath. Clearly, what <laughs> we are, are going to do. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Adios. Bye. Bye.